Welcome everybody to Wolf Sheep. Hello. Hey, I am Luis Cavedo. And I'm Matthew Walker. Sorry, for the reason why we just looked at each other that way is because I pressed record and this thing just... I don't think they're going to be able to see us looking at each other. And I just... <laughs> I have a oh. face for radio. <laughs> it's been a long, long... I have a body for radio. <laughs> oh, it's been a long day, I think, for both of us. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the exciting thing that's going to happen right now is uh, we're finally going to get Matthew's hot take on uh, Taylor Swift's new song, uh, Look What You Made Me Do. <laughs> Look What You Made Me Do. Look, you, uh, I have a shout-out to Matthew Reyna. Uh, what You Made Me Do is listen to that stupid song in the car when I couldn't get away. and You didn't uh, like it? It's kind of oh, catchy. Huh? It's a little catchy. Yeah, catchy like a disease. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, all things Taylor Swift, not interested. No, I know you're not a fan. But yeah, I, not a I've fan. I've been listening to it a little bit here and there. At first I found it really annoying, but now it's kind of... I'd rather babysit a cat with allergies. Okay. Right. <laughs> and no Benadryl. We kind of knew this, so it's like it's not nothing new. <laughs> <but> okay. <sighs> all right, so the topic this week... Yes? ...is uh, Big Fish. Well, Big Fish, but... You as well. Uh, let's let's just go ahead and jump into the topic inception, which is okay. We have over the we've known each other for a while, and we've had discussions uh, over the years about your uh, ministry, specifically big fish, and just perceptions and misconceptions and misunderstandings about it, right? And the struggles that you go through it, and. Yeah, we, you know, we've spoken about it in the podcast before, not at length and not in detail, and I figured it'd be a good idea to to talk about it. I appreciate it, yeah. Yeah. Well, to bring it into light. So, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Okay. This will be more interview style, because how much I have to offer is uh, probably limited, but... Right. right. So, have you had to create a timeline of active... Crap. Is that active crap? No. <laughs> uh, today no, at, today at two o'clock, four o'clock, I had a little bit of fruit. Um, <laughs> no, I, well, well, I'm thinking. Just, well, is that the right way to just jump into this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about why we're going to discuss this. Look, Matthew Walker leads Big Fish. That's part of the questions. We're going to get right. into what Big Fish is exactly. Yeah. But you've spoken at length and slightly and more, depending on whatever time. Uh, we have been on the podcast about yeah. your life. Yeah, because it it pervades it, it pervades every area of my life. There, mm-hmm. you know, that one of the things that sometimes happens in church, they're like, "Why do you always have to talk about, you know, your old life or your gay life, or why do you always have to talk about things you've struggled with?" And it's like, well, it wasn't just one aspect of my life. It was like a it was like software that ran throughout my hardware. You know, so right, it's something that comes up. I don't purposefully talk about it all the time but it is something that's affected my life and something that god gives me daily downloads and weekly downloads on how i've been affected or mm-hmm. you know um how i can lean into him more or just clarification on some of the things i've struggled with over the years that maybe i didn't ask him too many questions about but i just had faith that he would reveal something to me mm-hmm. you know so no and i think it's it's valid cuz i've I haven't had that thought specifically about, well, why do you always bring it up? Yeah. But you do bring it up frequently, and, and 
it uh, it's inserted into a lot of conversation. Yeah. But it's valid. I finally came to understand because if all of us, you know, believer or non-believer, if we brought up our struggles yeah. or our main struggle or our main, you know, whatever you want to call it, it would probably pervade everything. Yeah. It would be in everything because it affects everything we do. Well, and it's where I met Jesus the most. It's mm-hmm. it's my sexuality is where he helped me the most, where he gave me the most clarification. So it, if I just totally omitted it, Om, sorry, omitted my sexuality or my gay life or anything. If I omitted that, I omit the place where Christ met me the most, where mm-hmm. He was the where I la, uh, let's see, let me rephrase this, where I could not help myself. Mm-hmm. I could help myself academically, I could help myself financially, but I had no idea how to fix my broken sexuality because it it is a broken sexuality. There's there's nothing biblical or right about homosexuality um and you know i i couldn't resolve that issue by myself so i had to go to god you know Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to go to him right but that's where christ showed up the biggest in my life was in the area of my sexuality okay well good i think that's a better intro to finally get into the questions well yeah we're we're getting there so if you had to create a timeline of active in the gay lifestyle and then off even if there's some relapses in there along the way, what would it look like? Well, I I would say, like at the age of six, I was introduced to pornography by my brother mm-hmm. and taught, you know, masturbation and the whole pleasure cycle. And my brother had been abused sexually by a guy in our town when he was 13. And then it was right around that time that I discovered his pornography stash and we had those moments, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that awakened some kind of desire in me at that point i didn't think it was gay i didn't think it was i didn't know what it was other than i was really excited by the porn and i began to act out sexually you know through masturbation or whatever i don't know if this matters but yeah was it like straight porn yeah it was straight yeah it was straight porn like all the magazines he had were like straight porn of the day Mm -hmm. you know and but it's still awakened yeah and there there was um you know, there was little pictures in the back that had some gay stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily key into that right away, but but there was um, this, there was a focus on the male genitalia, even though I was seeing some of the female, but I didn't think anything of it. And, uh, you know, and I, for me, I began to interact, you know, with other kids my age, like we would act out and, and look at porn and mm-hmm. um, just have those little experimental phases. And so, you know, at the age of nine, my brother and a cousin exposed me to six and a half hours of video pornography. So the other stuff was just magazines. Mm-hmm. And then later on at the age of nine, there was it was basically we just sit up and watch porn all night. And there was no, like, experimentation or sexuality there. It was just taking in all this information. Mm-hmm. And so um, I began, you know, at that point I began a- interacting off and on with with one kid my age like a lot until like the seventh grade and at that point he like pulled back and said we can't do this anymore this is gay you know and and I didn't really know what it meant you know when he said that I just knew like there was something in me that I couldn't just stop Mm -hmm. and I wondered how he could and so that was the point where I was like okay something's different about me and I remember feeling different I remember having attractions towards guys but 
thank God there was there was there wasn't this big societal voice yelling, "Well, that means you're gay. That means this." Like I had time to resolve and reason out what I was feeling, mm-hmm. and it didn't immediately put a label on it. You know, now if you have if you look at a guy the wrong way, you know, they want to label you, you know, they want to pull you over to the initials, LGBTQ, whatever. And so that, I had, was that mainly because of anonymity or, or just privacy that you have for me? Right. Well, within that time frame. Well, it, it just that society didn't think every, they, they didn't think you were gay just because you had weird thoughts back then or, or thoughts towards mm-hmm. attraction. It, it just wasn't, something that was promoted as highly as it is today. If you, you know, there, both sides are looking to put you in, in a, in the box, you know, and right. put a label on you. And so back then, like, I, thank God I was able to have this amorphous, like weird, I feel different feeling without believing that I was gay. I just knew that I was different. And, and later on God would say, you know, who told you that you were gay? Could you not have just been created differently for a purpose? And so like, and I see that now. I, I was created artistic, sensitive, uh, I, I creative. I was created uh, sensitive, artistic, and creative. And there are other guys that were created, you know, more more um, like rough and tumbled. And so there were two different guys that were created. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not one straight and one gay. It's that's the way God created it. But sensitive guys like me had a tendency to fall away from the groups of men and had a tendency to draw more towards women. And, and so I can go back over my life and see you how, and, and show you how homosexuality was shaped. But as far as the timeline, I didn't come out until I was like 18 and in college. And the timeline was in and out of the closet like four times mm-hmm. because I didn't want to be gay. And you look at my journals when I was a little kid and I was feeling this stuff, and I was like, I don't want these feelings. I don't know what they mean, and and I think I might know what they mean, but it was from the point that I was first attracted to a guy at six until I began to write in journals in the seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of time where you could just you could just be a kid with desires and attractions, and you didn't have to be something like gay or straight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just have feelings and be working it out. Uh, and so, and you've got kids now coming out at the age of six and that's, thank God that didn't happen for me. Thank God I didn't have that, you know, unholy moniker above my head for so many years. Um, but like I came out at 18 and I think when I finally came out of the life, the gay, my gay life altogether, I was 27. So it was around 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, if that, if you want a timeline, uh, it was, it was for me, it was a it was like fully in the gay life and then pulling away from it and concentrating on being a marine mammal trainer and concentrating on God or concentrating on things that mattered more than my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and when God eventually convinced me uh, and, and, allow, and, and pulled me out of my gay life, it was because of my desire to want to work at SeaWorld and my desire to train killer whales, mm-hmm. you know, and the pain of that life and the, the loneliness and the bitterness uh, of that life began to just eat away at me. And, and all I really ever wanted was connections with co- real connections with real guys. Um, but in the absence of having that, I settled on feeding my, my desires and feeding my sexuality and having connections with guys, but they were illicit affairs, you mm-hmm. know? 
I probably covered half your questions and all that. So no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, what's the uh, next? <laughs> no, we can get into the details of everything. And I and I asked for that timeline mainly so people have an idea of just exactly how, what your struggle looked like. Yeah, like I was struggling since the age of six or seven mm-hmm. in some ways, but I didn't really reject God, you know, until like God called me into the ministry at the age of nine. And it's interesting when God called me into the ministry, mm-hmm. then I saw that pornography. And so there was this fight going on for my life. And, and if you talk to anybody in the gay life uh, who's who's honest you know, they have this thing now where they, they come out and they say, well, you know, I'm gay. This is who I was created to be. And coming out is a systematic dismissal of their history that could have shaped and probably did shape mm-hmm. their response to their sexual desires. And so for me, like, I said that same thing. You know, I was born this way. And then I realized if I was being honest with myself, I wasn't born this way. But there was a moment when I came out that I said, my history doesn't matter, but history has everything to do with who you are. Mm -hmm. And it shapes who you are, how you respond to men, how you respond to women. And so for me, I went back and I realized, you know, I didn't want this in the first place. I don't Mm -hmm. know why I've settled here, but I didn't want to be gay. I don't, and it, and it wasn't this self-loathing thing. I just didn't want to be gay. I wanted a family. I wanted a wife. I wanted kids, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted quote unquote the normal life and I've never done anything normal but yeah well you've done normal things yeah it's just you did it in different ways yeah that's all yeah I have I put my own spin on things yeah yeah, yeah. what was the uh, catalyst to make you rebel against that life uh, was it scripture or a specific moment how did you choose to lead a life outside of that there was a scripture uh it's, uh, it's in Romans, and it's right after the scripture that says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. You know, that one didn't get to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the scripture after that, it says, each man will give an account of himself to God. Mm-hmm. And I had always pictured, I said this the other night at, at Exchange Ministries where I teach. I said this to, to them. I said, I always picture myself standing there with my friend Scott. We were a united force against God, and God couldn't send Scott to hell and me both. Mm -hmm. So Scott and I were were doing life together. We weren't partners, but we were doing life together, and, and, you know, there was a point where I tried to – I was dating a guy, and I tried to, like, stop having sex with him, and we were going to get married. And so my idea was if we stop having sex, then I'll be pure for my wedding, just like God's called me to do. So I'm going to do everything right according to God's law Mm -hmm. except – homosexuality which god created me as a homosexual anyway so i've got him in a loophole but if i live a a righteous life Mm -hmm. and i get married and i follow all the rules then god is going to have no choice you know his hands are going to be bound and he's going to have to let me into heaven so this was my thought process right i gotta do i gotta do everything right and and if this is if the homosexuality is the one thing wrong then that's on god not on me but the scripture came about each man shall give uh, an account of himself to God and and just my own life just kind of stood as a testament to me like I had not lived a righteous life I'd lived a good life mm-hmm. semi-decent life I hadn't killed anybody I hadn't done anything bad but I was not living a life surrendered to Christ I hadn't really um, you know I hadn't really sown the fruit of a Christian I had sown the fruit of, of a guy that doesn't even know God and so mm-hmm. Um, that scripture 
really just, I, I told him the other night, I said, I felt like I was standing in the presence of God with a bunch of other people when we were locked arms. And that scripture came up and one by one, each person disappeared so that it was just me and God. And I was going to have to, you know, I could believe whatever I want on the earth about my gay life. I could preach whatever I want. I could demean people who, and call them bigots and haters because they don't accept my homosexuality. But God knew the truth. And in my heart, I knew the truth. And I was standing there alone in this vision with God. And I was going to have to tell him, you know, I did my best to try to make this thing work because I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to relinquish it. I didn't know how to let go of it. I thought I was born this way, but at the end of the day, I knew your word was true and I knew I was living a lie. And that was, that was one of the things that finally caused me to give up was scripture, hmm. you know? Yeah, no, I, I, we've discussed about how different moments have in a way kind of directed you or, um, uh, taking you on different paths. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking specifically almost of, uh, you know, that, that time you went to the gay bar. It was the first time you went to the gay bar. And the, you got the, the brick thrown through your through the oh, back yeah. windshield. That wasn't even a hate crime. That was like I got a brick thrown through the back of my window because they had kicked a guy out of the bar mm -hmm. and he was pissed. And so my car was the first one sitting by that rock. He picked up the rock and just, you know, had a moment. You know, people chuck their phones or whatever. Right. So he hucked a rock through the back of my Camaro window and and my it was funny because my car had trouble starting in the cold mm -hmm. and so when I went out to start it it didn't start and I didn't think anything about it I went home with a guy left my car there mm -hmm. and that next morning pulling up with a guy that I just met that I had had sex with having that awkward moment of now seeing my car with the back glass missing mm -hmm. and he and I had to go to Home Depot and purchase some heavy duty Visqueen and we taped it up and I drove home and told my parents I had parked my car in a bad part of Tulsa and somebody <laughs> broke into it, you know, but, but, but you like, look back on that. Yeah. And you, you see it as a message. Oh, you it was a it huge as, message. Yeah. It was God saying, this is not the place mm -hmm. for you. And, and like one of the statements that I've told some of the guys I mentor and that, that the Holy Spirit shared with me was that you are subject to the land, you're subject to the laws of the land you choose to live in. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to live in Satan's world, he's the authority there. If you choose to live in God's world, God's the authority. Right. And so that, I look back now and that moment at that bar, I had stepped into the kingdom of the enemy and immediately something had happened to my car. It wasn't God causing it, mm -hmm. but I had stepped out into the enemy's kingdom and I'm subject to whatever laws are there, you know? Uh, tell me about your life in ministry before now. So we've talked, we've talked, you know, about mm -hmm. your life before and having rejected that, um, what, soon after you, you joined SeaWorld, right? Or, or started working as a marine biologist or around that period, yeah? Is that? Yeah, well, I, you know, I walked, um, like, I, I think it goes something like this. I told, I was working for my very last job in the industry uh, before I walked out of homosexuality. It was a, a, a small facility training dolphins and sea lions mm -hmm. in um, Gulfport, Mississippi. Okay. And and I had gone down there because I was afraid to take the swim test at SeaWorld and, because it was going to be too hard, and so... The enemy always offered me a substitute in my life. So if there was something hard, mm -hmm. I didn't want to try to take the swim test at SeaWorld because I may fail at it. So I took the 
I, I took this job in Mississippi that was at a really small facility. It was really old. It was mm-hmm. the second facility built in the world uh, or in the United States. And you didn't have to take a swim test, but you could train with dolphins. So I took the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Um, but through the relationships I made there, everything was great. But uh, there was a point where I told my mom, I said, if you ever get too sick or if you ever need me to come home and take care of you, I will. And so there was a point my mom said, hey, I need you to come home. And, and I also knew that it was time for me to walk out of homosexuality. Excuse me. But that was – the funny thing was I didn't immediately go home. I stayed down there and worked for an additional three months. It was mm-hmm. like my flesh was saying, no, give it another try. No, don't leave. You know, and it, and it just – I couldn't give up, but when I, I was working two jobs, I worked at a Toys R Us, and I worked at a casino, and there was one time this lady came through the line at Toys R Us, and I was telling her all this stuff about dolphins, and all this stuff about marine life, and blah, 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 and she goes, if you have a degree in marine biology, why are you working at Toys R Us? (laughs) And it just, it was a shot to my pride, it just, Mm -hmm. like, why was I? And I was, I was working there because I still was using, I was still prideful, I was still, a jerk. I was still not about to give up on my life because I was going to give it the old college try. Um, so the I left Mississippi. I went home for a year. I spent a year just working for the post office, driving a truck, not doing anything related to marine mammals, mm-hmm. and was prideful for about the first four months. And then God began to break me, and I and I was just broken because I knew. Rather than going home for four months and then moving to Orlando or getting to have that marine biology career um, in April, I had moved home in January, and in April, I just realized your future's not determined by you. Your future's determined by God, and and right now, he wants you to himself. He doesn't want you training anything. He doesn't want you at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. He wants you right here where he has you, and so I gave up and just begin to pour into my bills and begin to pour into uh, listening to Christian radio, listening to Christian podcasts, you know, or back then it wasn't podcasts, but it was radio shows. Right. Um, Cause this was uh, 1999. And, and so like I just soaked in God for the whole year, the same way that for the previous 10 years I'd soaked in everything gay mm-hmm. and I'd soaked in everything me and I'd soaked in everything that just my selfish nature. And for the first time, like I began to, let God, I reconnected with God the same way I reconnect, I connected with him the first time at church camp at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. And God lost no time. Like I, I got my prayer language, which is speaking in tongues when I was 10 years old. And when I turned 27 and went to church, it came right back. Like the Holy Spirit would, was just there. And I think about that. 17 years that light lay dormant. Mm-hmm. And walking out of homosexuality at the age of, you know, um, 27, gosh, like I wish I had done it before, you know, but I, I was one of those people and a lot of kids who struggle with this are those people. They, they won't be convinced. Failure is the only thing that's going to convince them. You can't talk them down off the ledge. You can't tell them what to do because they think they know everything. And to a certain extent, all teenagers are like that. But, right. Yeah. Some people don't know. learn through anything other than yeah because you, know, you need to put something into practice in order yeah. to learn in a practical manner you know? yeah and that is unfortunately to their yeah uh, not their benefit but to know, their detriment to their yeah. detriment yes well and you. so like i left my job at the post office in 2000 and got the job at SeaWorld, and you know and that was i i had 
been in the God bubble for a full year. And so I, even though I wanted the job at SeaWorld, I didn't want to leave my God bubble because um, it was like I was I was on a different planet for a full year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't near Christian friends. I wasn't near gay friends. I was just me, God, and Jesus, and my dad. Hmm. You know, and and that was the the Trinity for me was <laughs> me, Jesus, and my dad. Mm-hmm. And and so I stayed in that bubble. And when I finally moved out of the bubble and went to SeaWorld, it was like I I was taking off glasses, you know, and and seeing the world through new eyes and. You know, I didn't necessarily like getting back out in the world, um, but I kept connected to Exodus, and I kept connected to a, a group called Love One Out. You know, um, so. Well, let's uh, yeah, let, let's have a little uh, yeah car crash or uh, okay. <laughs> intersection moment here, which is when you and I met. Yes. So I'll go ahead and share about that real quick. Uh-oh. Or I don't know if we even met good that day. No, no, no. Oh, this okay. was good. I'm not even sure whether we actually met that night, but I remember the first time I saw you. Okay. And, I th- and I'm sure you you do too because I'm sure you'll remember it. I had been serving in the in the youth group for some time now. And at this period, we were, you know, we were still split middle, well, we, which we were for the most part. Yeah. Middle school and high school. And then we would come together once a month. And they had the big event at the Celebration Middle School cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Impact, no. It was Impact and Elevate. And then we had Intersect. Intersection. Intersection. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So we we went to intersection, and I remember it was uh you know I can I can remember the curtains up and everything. Uh, Megan was speaking that night, and she wanted to introduce a special guest speaker, which was Matthew Walker. Oh and, wow. Yeah. Okay. Here comes Matthew Walker, and you shared your story, and and you've spoken about this before, and, yeah. and I I think you said about how uh, Tyler Crouch and other people yeah. came up to you and said you know. <laughs> They were just thankful for sharing your story. Yeah. And just, you know, how candid you are and, and yeah. all that. And uh and that was the first time I saw you. And oh, you know, that was that was nice. And then you stuck around. Yeah. And it was okay, well Matthew Walker is a new leader and we didn't get to talk as often because you were in the high school mm-hmm. serving in the high school uh leadership and I was serving in the middle school. But that was you know, to me, that was the first ministry. Now, I know that wasn't the first ministry that you did. Right. But that was, that's how I came to know you. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, okay. tell, me, uh, tell me a little bit about the ministries that you've served there, other than, you know, the youth group. Yeah, yeah. The, the first ministry that I really served at was this little kid who was like 14 and showed up at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. And his name was J.D. And he would... Um, he would sit in the top of Shamu Stadium and do his homework. And, you know, a couple of us thought, well, this kid doesn't have a great home life, so we'll just kind of adopt him like a pet. <laughs> was he there as a as a guest? He was there as a guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he bought his own pass, and, and somehow he was always there because he wanted to be an animal trainer. And so he sat in the top of Shamu Stadium, and so we connected with him, and, and I would you know we would take him to functions with us and we would take him to dinner so that was the first ministry i'd ever had now he's like 31 or 32 now i think and he's he's still doing his gay life um but he's still my little brother and i'm still his big brother and and you know um that was the first time god ever allowed me to be able to share my story and and you know the way it happened like he uh he was like 
at one point we were talking. He said, well, I know you're gay, and I'm gay too. And I said, well, I'm actually not gay. And I said, I know I have a lot of residue because I just walked away from the life about a year ago. And this is when I first met him, about a year after I walked out. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, but you don't have to be gay, you know, and 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 I can share my life with you. And I did for a couple of years. And, and then, you know, we kind of parted ways, and he's been doing his own thing ever since. But he, uh, my number's pretty familiar. He called me. He got... He had a little moment where he got um, thrown in jail for something stupid. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything bad, but it was just wrong place, wrong time. Like most my, visits to jail. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> um, and he, my number was the only number he remembered. So I'm getting calls from, uh, you know, jail in California, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> um, so that was, you know, thank God for an easy number, and thank God for long-term connections, you know, um, and. That was the first ministry. The second ministry I did was a ministry called Exchange, which was here. I was a group leader there. Mm-hmm. I did a little ministry at our church called Life Hurts, God Heals. Mm-hmm. And Bronson Moore tricked me into leading that. Um, he started it out, and then he, he was like, Hey, Matthew, do you want to lead this week? And then the next week, he's like, Hey, Matthew, do you want to lead this week? And about the third week, I was like, Are you turning this over to me? And he's like, I was wondering how long it would take you. And so that's uh, Celebrate Recovery celebrate recovery for kids and Mm -hmm. it was during that that i realized i have a lot of discernment like that's a gift that i have i can see things in people's life and the holy spirit tells me things and so i was able to help people through that gift of the holy spirit not through anything i did um but i had a kid tell me one night uh he he's a kid that he suffers with uh, asperger's syndrome Mm -hmm. and so he told me one night because he was just always very matter of fact and it hurt my feelings sometimes because i'm so freaking sensitive but he told me one night he goes i don't want to end up like you and i said well (laughs) how did i end up and he said old and alone and no family and i was like oh okay well it's it's good to know that that i'm that's who i am and i said well why would you be afraid of that and then he began to share his story Mm -hmm. you know but it was just i've never had anybody be that honest um and then, how old was he? Huh? How old was he? Oh, he was like 15 or 16, okay. you know? Well, I mean, that may be the Asperger's, but it also may be just that age. Oh, yeah. Because, man, middle school kids can break you down. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Like they've got a giant six-foot pair of scissors, and they're just going to cut you in half. Oh, yeah, by, piece by piece, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And and I've, I've noticed that also through my friend in Kazakhstan. Sometimes we'll log on, and he goes... You're looking a little bigger now. And I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you. Just say that I'm fat. Um, But that was the second ministry, or the third ministry. And then um, I went and started Big Fish Ministry here at at my home and was a residential ministry for men wanting to walk away from homosexuality because it is possible to walk away from it. Um, And then, you know, a few years after that, my ministry was to the people at SeaWorld, you know, and, and I didn't do so well for a long time because I got distracted by money and, and paychecks and different things that were going on at SeaWorld. And um, and then the last two or three years of my time at SeaWorld, God really just allowed me to be able to be uh, a wise counsel for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, my one of my friends, Justin, came in and, you know, my coworkers knew that he had a partner, but they didn't know whether he was gay or straight. And I was like, have you asked him? And they were like, no, not yet. And so I knew he was gay, figured, figured it out. But God didn't, God didn't tell me to share my testimony with him. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that God said, just love him. Love him right where he's at. And Justin actually orchestrated my going away party 
none of the other losers that have worked with me for 15 years did anything. But Justin, I had loved him so much and loved him so well um, that he and I were, grew really close, you know. Um, and, you know, later on when he would have a breakup after I left SeaWorld from his partner, like I'm one of the people that he came to and talked about. And I was able to finally, God said, share about your big breakup with Joseph back mm -hmm. when you were dating him. And Joseph was the guy I was going to marry, um, was more committed to the act of marriage than love. I just wanted to, I wanted our rights and, and kind of the same thing that's going on now. I wanted the right to do it. I didn't, I didn't necessarily, you know, love him as much as to get married, but I just wanted to be normal, you know, like mm -hmm. everybody else and do have gay people do the same things as straight people do, you know? Um, but so that having that ministry to Justin and just a ministry of love, just a ministry of, of mentorship, you know, for mm -hmm. work. Uh, and then now I'm the executive director of exchange ministries here in Orlando. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I will always, I will always have a ministry to people who are hurting and in need and people who the church forgets about or, or they don't fit the big programs, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm, my ministries aren't always large, but they're always necessary. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. And, and uh, this is supposed to be, and I hope you'll always keep this. Yeah. Not for your self-aggrandizement or for oh, like a good, that. you know, pat on the back. Mm -hmm. But I know you struggle sometimes with seeing the big picture and seeing whether you're making a difference. But oh, all the time. But you know, yeah. I I see it, and I and I hope other people see how much ministry you've done over the years. That you've served for a long, long time. You served arduously, yeah. and you know this is. You may not always see the people. They may not. They may not come back and you know send you a postcard or say hello. But but this is proof of of all the the toiling you've done and all the all that you've given. So yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I you know I, I told somebody this yesterday, and then somebody said I feel that same way, but. I think what happens to me is I have such a low, there are times that low self-esteem kicks in and there are times that my low self-image kicks in and I always compare myself to people and there are people that I either want to be friends with or serve with or want to connect with and I I just tell myself no or I feel less than and, and you know, and, and my, my friend Patty says, that's a lie from the devil. Don't you believe that stuff? And she'll go off and text and share all that and and it, it it's true and i understand the words but when when you have this sensitivity when you you're kind of empathetic and you draw on other people's emotions and and what other people feel like like right. it's hard sometimes to break free from that like we have a guy that comes to monday nights and every week he looks like he's just eating a fresh turd and i see him in the room and i think why are you here you don't get anything out of it and you make me feel like i, I like i'm just talking into the air mm -hmm. and but i i've gotten to the point now where i'm like you know what his issue is not my issue like if he has an issue with me then he needs either needs to talk to me about it or he needs to stop eating fresh turds before he comes into ministry time and i think um, it more than anything what speaks is the fact that he's still coming yeah he's still coming and that's the part i'm like wow every week like still comes. Maybe he's waiting, waiting for a breakthrough. I don't know. Maybe, and and that's fine. You know, I'm sure that Pastor Tim has seen me down there on the front row, thinking, "What's wrong with him?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, what is Big Fish, and why is it necessary? Big Fish is is the culmination of God calling me into the ministry at the age of nine with the story of Jonah, 
and then later on giving me the name Big Fish when Alec Taunton was teaching at youth. Mm -hmm. And Alec was teaching the story of Jonah, and I sometimes when the youth would preach, I would listen and half listen and, and you know try to support them. But when Alec was teaching, I didn't have a name for the residential program I had here at the house. I just knew that that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And so Alec was teaching, and he said, God sent... Uh, the big fish as an act of mercy to Jonah. And I was like, it just clicked. And it took me an additional two years for God to put together the pieces to say, do you realize how I called you into the ministry? It was with the story of Jonah. And, and God, I think, allowed me to not put the two and two together so that I could see it was truly you could God. You the aha moment. Yeah, I had the aha moment of, oh my gosh, God calls this big fish ministry. And he started it with the story of Jonah. And so I knew at that point, that, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, Martha Stewart is Martha Stewart Omnimedia. I'm kind of like the big fish, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I run everything, you know, I, I make sure the websites don't lapse. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it just did. Um, no, but I have a huge team of people around me mm -hmm. that help do things I don't do. And it that was like the big learning thing for me is that you can't do anything on your own. Everybody has to have a cast of supporting characters. And mm -hmm. so Big Fish is a ministry to parents. It's a ministry to kids. Um, it's a ministry to anyone struggling with any kind of life-altering uh, emotion, desire, whatever it is. If it's drugs, if it's sex, mm -hmm. like if, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you just need a cheeseburger, you know, Big Fish is there for that. Um, and so, yeah, that's what it is. It's it's Big Fish in exchange, but Big Fish Ministry was my ministry that God called me to, um, and and mentoring young men and and helping them walk out of homosexuality and walk away from it like I did, mm -hmm. with the power of Jesus, because that's the only way you do it. Yeah. What uh what kind of opposition do you face? What are the main misunderstandings people have about what you do? Uh, I think they. The gay agenda kind of lumps us all. If you don't agree with what they have to say, they have labels for you, you know. And I always, I always say, hate kills debate because anytime you have a, a differing opinion, they say you're a hater. And the hate, when they say you're a hater, it kills any debate or any mm -hmm. conversation you can have about it. But the opposition is people who think we're uh, coercing people into changing, or people who think we're reparative therapy, and and I just want to say one thing about reparative therapy. There's, it's not a bad thing. It's repairing what was damaged when we were kids. That it, people have made it out to be some sort of brainwashing, or you know, or or mind altering thing, or or teaching people to hate themselves because they were gay. But reparative therapy is just, it's a supplement to the reparative drive that you had. You know, I, mm -hmm. when I was broken and, and distanced from men, um, that was a need that I had. And then at puberty, like all of our needs become sexualized. And so for me, being drawn to men and being connected to men the way that I, the way that I was after sexual, after puberty hit mm -hmm. was a reparative drive to fix what was wrong. I had a deficit in relationships with men. I had a deficit in the relationship with my father. And so a re the reparative drive kicked in to try to fix that. But when, you know, the hormones of puberty are mixed in there, mm -hmm. everything gets confused. And so you begin to feel um, that you want the people you know, sexually rather than want a relationship with the people, you know, and, and that's a whole other discussion, but, right. um, no, and uh, well, yeah. there's a, 
is reparative th- uh, therapy there, along the same lines as conversion therapy, or is I well, mean, and I, I think they try to lump them all in together. Right. But there are there, you know, they when I was in college, the guy I was dating said he was going to have electroshock therapy that summer, and and I'll be honest, Lewis, I didn't necessarily want it for the whole of the gay community, but I wanted it for me because I didn't want to be gay. There was nothing good about it. It did not make me feel better. I, it went against everything I had ever learned from the church and from the Bible, and I believe the Bible to be the truth that my life is anchored to, not my sexuality. You know, and but so the the difference there is that you're you personally are seeking that. Yeah, you're not being forced into it. Right. See what what I what I want people to understand about oh, yeah, what you yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. Is that this is your ministry is not condemnation. You, that, no. There's there. You know, condemnation exists within conversion and within reparative therapy and electroshock therapy. Yeah. Well, if it's force, of course. But what you do is not seek out. You're here. No, we you're don't. You're here as a as a place to. We don't seek, seek anybody refuge. out. Mm-hmm. People come to people come to us because they're hurting because they realize that homosexuality was a big lie. They've realized that, you know everything they've been led to believe and that's for me everything i was led to believe about homosexuality i did my own research i didn't just believe what was written in a book and parrot it out like a lot of the kids in the gay in the gay world do nowadays they're, they're all telling you you know jesus didn't preach on homosexuality and i'm like yes he did matthew 15 and you know the i can combat everything they've read from books like you know um matthew vine's book and you know, Justin Lee is in that. There, there's a lot of fa- there are a lot of false prophets out there. You know, uh, and and a few books out there that try to convince you that homosexuality is just a, a reasonable facsimile of heterosexuality. So my opposition is from people who, you know, who want gay to be not only accepted but to be dominant over everything else. And I and I was I had a, a thing. This is not going to make me popular at all. But this is my podcast. You know, and and the opportunity for me to share. And I was talking to a friend of mine who had been a gay activist and the Holy Spirit was marinating something in my mind. And, and I asked my friend, I said, this whole gay, gay agenda and the gay rights movement, it's not about equality. It's about world domination. And he said, exactly. And from his, from someone who had been in that, uh, that world Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit giving me discernment, it is not about equality. It's about elevating gay rights and and the gay agenda over everything else so that they're comfortable so that they don't have to fight so they don't have to have any arguments you know and you're seeing that now when gay rights trump over christianity you know or, mm-hmm. or the christians rights to you know not make a wedding cake or whatever it is but um so the opposition comes in when you know and and the bible talks about we're going to be persecuted and so the opposition comes in i don't go out of my way to try to you know try to oppose people i don't debate i don't have talks on facebook you know there was one point where i probably did but i write a blog with true to life experiences and god connects me with the one or two people who finally have seen the truth about homosexuality um and the rest of the people who are living out in proud gay lives i have to do everything i can to love them and provide for them as a human but i will do nothing to support the covenant that they've made you know with their sexuality or a partner or anything like that Mm -hmm. so it's all about people and not about um you know supporting you don't support anyone's sin or anyone's uh you know brokenness you Mm -hmm. love them through it but you you don't create a system 
that isolates their brokenness and says, you know, can't touch that, can't talk about that, because you're allowing every time something, every time you're giving somebody a right to sin, you're basically signing their death their death warrant, in my opinion. Right. No, and I was hope there a I second part to that question? No, no, no. I, you know, it, it was. What what's the challenge and and you know what are the misunderstandings about your, your ministry? One of the challenges is like is totally finances because mm-hmm. I even though I'm a missionary to the gay community I don't live in Africa or some far off country and so people don't readily want to donate to me or they don't readily want to help me do what I do mm-hmm. because they see me every week and right. you know if if I wrote down my schedule for the week and and it it takes a lot to sit and talk with two parents for two hours and you need a little recovery time from Mm -hmm. that you know it's it's not that i'm i'm pouring out just of matthew walker but i am pouring out and i'm allowing the holy spirit to use me and work through me and so um you know that is definitely one of the challenges Mm -hmm. because i i I i'm a non-profit this is my only job um you know and yeah, it, it's been one of the challenges. God's always met it, mm-hmm. you know. I just, I just wish more people would see us as a ministry that has value, mm-hmm. rather than here's what right, happens. Valid. That's the, that's the first thing that came yeah. up is that it's a valid thing. Because what happens is that people don't see that we have value until this in, until this impacts their life, and then when it impacts their life, they let it, you know. Then their wallets are open, rather than, you know. So it's 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 interesting. It's it's sometimes hurtful because, like I said before, people treat us like Terminex. They call when they have a problem. Right. <laughs> they don't want to support us all year long. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was going to bring something up, but I'm not even sure of it. Well, bring it up. Well, why not? All right. Like last. I night. have a pair of scissors right here, though. So just be yeah. <laughs> last night we were watching TV, and I don't I don't know why it came up. Yes. But um. We were talking about gay marriage, okay. Gina and I, my wife and I, and, and maybe something on the TV came up, or, or maybe we we're talking about work, or I don't know. But she's of a mind that, um, of stopping the, uh, what's the right word, um, facilitating the process. Yeah. And and I turned to her, and, and if, I, if you don't agree, that's fine, you know, we always yeah, talk yeah. things out. But... To her, you know, I just turned to her and I said, "Well, what the hell does it matter? Yeah, it it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect me. If that's their, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I don't want to stop anybody from doing anything or from being able to do anything. Yeah. Um, does that mean that I agree with it or that I view it as passable? No, but that doesn't come with judgment either. But then, you know, I just I want I know that we're not we're. I'm more passive and I don't want to use positive words because then that puts you under based on how we yeah, we, yeah. we defer. But I'm more, um, I don't know. I, I just don't care about advancing or not even advancing, but allowing gay rights to marriage or yeah. to whatever. I think I come at it from a, a different perspective. I don't I don't come at it thinking, oh, being gay is gross or being gay, you know, because I was gay. And, and, you know, but the way I come at it is this. In that relationship, you know, there's one or both of those guys that don't feel, that, that don't 
feel like they are a guy or they don't feel like they're a guy like other guys or they've they've gotten to that point where they're responding out of brokenness to another man mm-hmm. and and so you could give everybody all the rights that they need you know but when i when i look at it my heart breaks giving people rights to to be bound together you know in a blood covenant mm-hmm. uh when and in a you know my friend Rochelle calls it government marriage not covenant marriage covenant marriage is between a man and a woman and was orchestrated by god but the marriage between two men or two women mm-hmm. it's government marriage because the government of this land says it's right but god doesn't agree with it but my heart breaks when you find two people who out of their brokenness have found another person to commiserate their brokenness with mm-hmm. so that's I don't have my issue isn't oh my gosh it's wrong my issue is right. those poor people are being led down the the broken path by the enemy and now they're they're compounding what was already a big problem they're compounding it by finding somebody to commiserate with them the rest of their life mm-hmm. you know and I think I I just I feel like every every time somebody's granted every time somebody's granted the opportunity to have a bunch of people stand around and say, oh, what you're doing is awesome, mm-hmm. you know, or to to agree with people destroying their lives and, and, and not following the the will of God. I just, I can't be one of those people that stands by and, and says that's okay because I love, I love people. I want people to know the same redemptive Jesus that I know. Right, yeah, and, and we're both yeah. concerned with um, the eternal for them. Yeah. And I, and I can... You know, I'll I'll throw myself into, you know, into the frying pan in this case that I can be, um, really gentle about these things. Yeah. Thinking, oh well, you attract more people with honey, and I even go around to thinking, well, or you attract more, pe- you attract more bees with honey, or or however the saying goes. But also, um, remember how we were talking about how some people just learn by mistake. Yeah. And I don't want to oh, condemn yeah. every, anybody yeah. into thinking, well, you're learning by mistake, and what you're doing is a mistake. I don't yeah. want you to hear that. That's not what I'm saying. But some people only learn through going through the experience. Yeah, I was one. I'm. I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. And the the kid that I'm mentoring, his parents. He, I told him today. I said, failure is the loudest voice that he hears. Mm-hmm. It's the only language he speaks right now. And so you're going to have to allow him to fail, or he's going to learn nothing because he's not listening to you. You mm-hmm. know. And so and yeah, that's the thing. I don't wish for anybody to be in pain or to fail or anything like that um i come at it from no matter the problem no Mm -hmm. matter how much you compound a problem no matter what god can fix it because god is god is able to do that but there are things that god will give you a second chance but it's that moment of if i jump off a cliff and and on the way down i was like oh my gosh that was a mistake and i say god forgive me god says oh i forgive you and then splat (laughs) you know then you're in heaven meeting him uh, and so I am not one of those ones that stands by the guardrail and steps aside as people run over it. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as I'm concerned and, and the relationships I've seen and, and, you know, the, the un, there are some really un- unhealthy relationships out there on both sides, you know, and right. I, I had, I had a friend that called me, you know, a couple months ago and was like, Hey, you know, we're thinking of, of postponing the wedding for a bit and I said you know what if you're having that thought I think it's very bold to do that rather than to get married and just just go on the honeymoon and try to fix it Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I think, you know, I, I see a lot of people out there now getting married just because you can. You know, I can buy a Ferrari with my credit, but I shouldn't do it. It's not the smartest decision. Right. Just because I can. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a dark macabre. Yes. Uh, sense to me that when, when that comes up. Yeah. It's like, please go ahead and get married. You're probably going to end up divorced anyway. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sorry to even say that, but <laughs> that's the, that's the thought process that comes into yeah. my mind. It's like, please go ahead and do it. I'll see yeah. you here in six months back at the courthouse saying, yeah. I hate you. You hate me. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, and then they have, but to me, like, I think long term, I think then they're going to have all this debt and then they're going to have all this other stuff to work through. So, gosh, you wish people would see the train coming Mm -hmm. before they jump onto the tracks. Right. You know, and that's the ministry that I do. I've stopped. Like, there were, there were points where I would debate. There were points where I'd be on the forums and saying, this is not right, blah, blah, blah. And now I just say, God, whoever you send to me, I will, I will do what I can with them. I'll share my testimony wherever. I'm not going to share it debate style. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to share it, you know, as it says in Revelation 12:11. Uh, you know, the word of my testimony. Uh, I'll share the word of my testimony because nobody can debate that. Nobody, nobody can, can debate what God has done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and yeah, I I'm still a sensitive person. I still love people, so it doesn't feel good when you get attacked. For, from people and and I don't always respond well you know mm-hmm. but as long as there's somebody doing the right thing and doing the will of God there's going to be those who are doing the exact opposite who want you to who want your voice to be silenced mm-hmm. you know yeah we all have to be able to communicate with each other that's all that yeah should happen uh, how can people check out Big Fish and or help uh, well we um, I have a blog, which I say every week, right. mm-hmm. Uh You can go to it's Big Fish Ministry has a Facebook page. Um, our website, <laughs> our website I'm is sorry, curr- I didn't mean to laugh. Our <laughs> website is currently down, and I've been on the phone for about an hour trying to fix that. Mm-hmm. But um, and it's not because we got attacked; it's because I'm dumb and don't do technical things. So if you if you have any website expertise and you're listening today. Please That's another way to help. Time. Yes, please volunteer. Yes, <laughs> we would love to have a website that people look at and don't think that a three-year-old got a hold of his mom's computer. <laughs> um, so, and, and email bigfishministry uh, at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, I'm really personable. You know, I, I answer emails and I answer phone calls and and I write blogs straight from my heart. You know, um, and and yeah, you know. And that's the one thing that I, I uh, appreciate most about your ministry. And most ministry is this way, I can I think. But you do everything uh, in a personable way. Right. You're a people person. You sit down. You talk to people. You can get frustrated with them. They can get frustrated with you. But you can talk things out. Yeah. And you love on people. And, yeah. And yeah, if you if <laughs> if you want to write that Matthew an email. Uh, he'll he'll respond and I know you care I do I mean like and that's the thing I have always one of the things I said when I was a little kid to God is is if I have the ability to make sure that one person doesn't hurt like I did growing up I will take that opportunity Mm -hmm. because I I grew up isolated I grew up afraid of men afraid of women Uh, I grew up hopelessly addicted to pornography and masturbation and and to a certain extent sex you know when I was doing my gay life um, 
but I was so unhappy, you know, and I, and I think a lot of a lot of the rhetoric now in the gay community that just goes into, you know, we're we're being our authentic selves and we're we're happy being who we were created to be and and I even had I was driving uh my driving uh people around for the taxi service thing that I do. I'm not gonna say the name, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um the car rideshare and I've always said God create God, God didn't create me gay, God created me uh on purpose for a purpose. And so I was created to serve God and so the kid that was in my car was a, a young gay man and he had a different spin on that. He said, Well I believe that God created me gay and who am I to to, to toy with how God created me? And I was like, Oh, that's a super good deception. You know, to believe that God created you gay, and then on the back side of that, then you go to the Word and say, God is all-powerful, so I shouldn't try to challenge. So there's a twisting of what you believe, mm-hmm. but then there's a, you take real Scripture and support the lie that you believe. And so I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't want to debate him. It wasn't a time for debating because it was he had gone down to the Pulse Memorial here in Orlando, mm-hmm. and he got in my car for a reason. And so God, I was like, God, what do I do? And so at the end of the ride, I said, can we pray together? And he said, sure. And that was the answer. We prayed together, you know, and I just prayed that God would bless him. And I prayed, I didn't pray, you know, the, 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 those prayers that, God, this person in front of me, you know who they are, and God fix them. God, right. you know, I just, I prayed that God would have his way in his life mm-hmm. and that God would bless him. And and really that's one of the misconceptions about this ministry is that we, we want all people, you know, we, people think we want all gay people to burn in hell or we hate all gay people or anything like that. But I still consider myself as a, a part of the gay community. I'm just an ex-gay, you know. And so they can reject me if they want and not give me an initial in the LGBTQ2SPIPPIA, whatever. But, you know, there should be an E in there somewhere because I'm ex-gay. You know, I'm a Christian first. I'm Matthew Walker. And, you know, um, I've had a huge history there. And I still have a love for people there. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just got to visit my, my he was my best friend in college. We were, you know, we both came out to one another. And he was just a really good friend. Aside from our sexuality, we were good friends. And mm-hmm. he knows me better than any human on the planet. You know, I can talk to him about stuff that I could probably never talk to Christians about. Um, unless I want their eyes to get really wide and their mouths to drop open. You know, right. Which I have done. Um, but, but yeah, I still consider the gay community um, this unministered to, you know, rejected area or rejected group of the population um but you know the only way i'm going to reach them is when god gives me the, the words to reach them because the words the church has been using and and the position that the church and the gay community are at with one another um and i'm talking about the true christian community not the communities that have resigned to say well gay is okay you know and and we'll perform gay marriage and we'll do you know we'll we'll just affirm homosexuality. I'm talking about the churches that stand true on the word of God uh, and that need that need to pray about just ministering to one gay person, just ministering to a person that you know, minister to their needs, minister to um, their needs as a human, love on them. You know, I, I bought pumpkin bagels for uh, a friend of mine and bought extra pumpkin bagels for him to give to his husband because 
not because I'm trying to win favor, but just because he matters to God. Right, yeah. You know? It's, uh, yeah. Above anything else, it's love. It is it's, love. It's just the you know? scripture, yeah. But it, it's it you know you you got to peruse the word for the true meaning of love. Love doesn't mean that I accept everything you do. It just means in the process I may not agree with you, but and I may punch you in the arm, but we're gonna hug it out. But it, right at the end, it's uncon. <laughs> Lord, it's unconditional like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Excuse uh, me. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add? Um. No, I, you know what? I just I uh I just want you today rather than if you're a Christian out there and or if you're parents and you're listening to this or somehow you get a hold of this podcast um the gay community they're not all lost crazy and a bunch of perverts. They're humans that have a different perspective on life than than you do and God went out to reach the lost. Jesus went out to reach the lost, you know. Um, he didn't go out and hang out with all the people that were well. He went out with the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the outcasts of the day. And so, you know, if if you need encouragement to go do something, to get up off your couch and to minister to people or love people or buy somebody a meal or, or do something to meet somebody's needs in the gay community and you've, you've struggled to figure out how you're going to minister to them, just do what you can. Do what you're able to do. You know, give out of your own resources rather than trying to figure out some big cosmic answer. Um, the gay community is in need of, of love uh, and unconditional love, and they're in need of Jesus, you know, and the, the Jesus that will love them right where they're at but encourage them to move into the presence of a loving Father and, and live lives that are pure and sanctified, set apart for him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What up? Well, uh, if you want to reach us, you can uh, reach me at uh, four the number four C S Lewis L U I S at gmail dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook dot com slash Wolf Sheep Pod. Uh, Matthew, I said all my information already. All right. Yeah. So you anyway. get the email. Yep. Bigfish. Email. Bigfish Ministry at gmail dot com. Okay. Yep. Uh, we hope it made you think as every week. Uh, but from Luis Cavedo and Matthew Walker, this is Wolf Sheep.